And then uh, the sister who never shuts the fuck up. Bobby! Bobby! Don't leave me! I fucking hate her. The, the only thing I will give Bobby points for is the fact when Brenda is like, uh, Oh my god, they're outside! They're coming back to get me! They're gonna get me, Bobby! Shut up! <laughs> Goddamn axle snap. No. Forget it. Forget it. What do we do now? We walk, baby. You know, Marlon Perkins says that rattlesnakes can reach lengths of 20 feet and can kill you in eight minutes. <laughs> then you better not shoot until you see the whites of their fangs, son. Or was it eight feet and 20 minutes? Oh, my. <laughs> Thank goodness the boys at the precinct presented me with his howitzer when I retired. Sure wouldn't want to go looking for those pythons without it. If it's all the same to you, Bob Carter, I'll put my faith in the good Lord. Hi, I'm Candy, the final girl. We're going to be French fries, human French fries. <laughs> and I'm Shaun of the Dead. Baby's fat. You fat. That juicy. Yeah, <laughs> and tonight we are talking about The Hills Have Eyes from 1977, directed by Wes Craven. We have Erica Wright. Dr. Springer can take his stethoscope and shove it into his little black bag sideways. <laughs> and Dave German. Maybe I make a joke like last time and eat the toes. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, the cinema drunkie Antiguera. I come back for you later, girly. <laughs> Daniel, Nightmare Nerd Ryan. Dog, oh, not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Mac the All-Star, who's going to start us off tonight. Yeah, well, if animals around here are smart enough to run radios, we're up Shit's Creek without a paddle. I'm going to start. Yes. Where do I start? All right, I'm going to keep it 100. This was a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. The, it opened with like shit so they had a baby in this winnebago flying through the fucking desert with a trailer hitch that wasn't even secured right whatever i know it's a movie but no safety for the baby like just flying through oh man and like so that already put me in like yo this movie is shit and then everybody's running around with pistols no fucking like their dad was a cop bro you only teach these kids nothing like nothing, like oh my god. Um, all right, I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, so I'll save some of this shit for later. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna jump in here really quick. I want to say, um, yeah, that baby. Um, the baby, like I was thinking, and as an adult who has raised children, um, I have several. It's like um, I would never take a baby on a trip like that. Because it's so bad for the baby. You have to, I mean, babies require constant care. They were, I didn't see any care for that baby. Except for when she had the bottle at the very beginning. Like, that poor fucking baby. 
And the baby is really a crux of, of things in this story. And I'm going to jump ahead and just say, like, you know, the part at the very end, I'm jumping to the end here, um, where, you know, we've got Doug, who's like, you know, killing Mars, basically the guy Mars. And, um, and he's fucking stabbed and stabbed and stabbed this guy. Here's his baby cry. He looks over like, oh, there's my daughter I came here for. I'm going to fucking keep beating this shit out of this <laughs> dead dude. Like, okay, he made a clear choice. And we can talk fucking about why, right. that's, why, why that choice was made uh, when we get there. Because I did jump ahead a little bit. But I know we don't do things in sequence here. But, um, yeah, that, that's going to, to factor into some things I have to say later uh, about his choice right, made right there of the baby or continue to beat this dead dude to a pulp uh, let's beat the dead dude fuck the baby clearly the message is fuck this baby <laughs> and uh fucking right Ouch. right right uh I, you know i'm gonna jump in and I'll, I'll keep this brief there there were some things about this film that i liked um bobby and his little shorts um <laughs> doing, his, doing his little his little gymnastics and his backflips and stuff uh, my favorite was now. Now I'm not a big fan of of animals dying in films, um, but you know when when he admits at the station wagon that the dog died and when he like bursts into tears, like I almost laughed the way that his face crunched up, you know, when when he was crying. Like I don't know, I I found it funny. Vanderbeek thing. <laughs> right, yeah, James James Vanderbeek meme. But uh, you know, uh, Michael Berryman is probably my favorite thing in this film i he's such a he's such a a good you know wholesome guy in real life and uh you know he just looks the part um and and i think he fit the part well um you know you had d wallace in this who's fucking you know d wallace i mean you know screen queen et like don't bring up et around erica right yeah yeah sorry erica um and then um you know, and and the thing the thing about this the most this this was Wes Craven's you know love letter to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This was his his homage um, to say uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre did it way better. Um, sorry, Wes, God rest your soul. Um, but you know, aside from that, the film just you know it's it, it's your typical fucking predictable slasher film. Um, and I didn't really have a whole lot of redeeming qualities for me. I'm going to jump right back in before we, we go to, uh, Dave. Um, I want to, my, my thing was, I was going to bring up how this movie is not just homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It, he literally said, Wes Craven did that. It was, he so, uh, you know, fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I was like, I want to do that. And I think maybe he did it too much. Not enough originality. That's my thing. Uh, Dave. All right, so I'm going to reserve – I reserve my right as the oldest guy out here by far to, like, do this once per episode where I'm like, you kids don't remember. But to speak specifically to the the safety of the baby, man, when I was a fucking kid, they would just toss us in the back of the station wagon. And, like, the, we would just be rolling around back there with the fucking spare tire and the can of, like, fucking gasoline. That was a I'm baby. A, no, I swear to God, when I was, like, five, they'd take us to the – me and my, my parents would take – five? Me, take me and my sisters – Take us to the drive-in, and and we'd just be back there rolling around and shit, banging up against the windows. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. You all don't remember when um, seatbelts became a thing when when the uh, state started to mandate seatbelt laws. It was like you would have thought that like they were literally coming for everyone's guns and Bibles. It was the same kind of thing that's going on today with like you know uh, vaccinations. Like oh my god, I can't believe the government's over 
you overreach. I mean, would you even get in a car? Don't you automatically just put on your seatbelt now? It's like automatic. I remember back in the day when it was like, oh, you're infringing on my rights and all this. Shit. Anyway, just to speak to the whole thing. They are yeah. infringing on our rights. I'm sorry. I will not. Buckle up. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, oh, it's a different I show. I escaped uh, some some car accidents uh, that could have killed them by not wearing their seatbelt, but I am a pro seatbelt. I have, but I feel like they don't pay my insurance or my car note. Who the fuck are they to tell me anything? I mean, you got that right. Uh, I, I didn't mean to start that conversation, but I was talking about... Okay. But, 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 my point is, my point is back, in, not, back in 1977, parents didn't care about their kids as much as they do today, is my point. <laughs> Ma- Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Rob. So I think we'd be remiss not to mention that this film is, truthfully speaking, a landmark in horror. Um, It it, it absolutely is, um, you know, Wes Craven having back to back uh, with going back to back with this and um, Last House on the Left. You know, it, it, it he really, you know, that's why I say West stands above the rest because he literally changes the face of horror every decade he he came out in. Uh, these two, uh, uh, Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, and then in the 80s with Nightmare on Elm Street, and then the 90s with Scream. You know, um, so it, it, you have to mention that this film is a true classic of the genre. That being said, it has not aged well. No. It, it it really has not. Um, Wes wasn't as confident a director that he that he would become later uh, in his career, like especially by the time he made Nightmare on Elm Street, where like you know he was fully became like the true master of terror. Um, this one is just yeah, it it fucking drags, dude. Mm. It, it really does. Like everything is just a build up to like the the last like half hour. And it's a whole lot of horse shit until then. Um, <laughs> fucking Bobby with them shorts and his backflips. And wh- like, why the fuck does he wait so long to tell them what he saw in the fucking mountain? Yeah, I, I mentioned that. I mentioned that to my girlfriend. Yes, we were watching, like, Bobby. Yeah, like for real, because he, he could have done a lot good for the family if he would have just told them what the fuck he saw. But he just kept his fucking mouth shut like a little bitch. <laughs> and, 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 and until he spills his guts and his snot, because if you look closely, when he's like, beauty stand, like yeah. you, you see a big hunk of fucking snot leave his nose and shit. Yes. Gross, dude. Um, and then uh, the sister who never shuts the fuck up. Bobby! Bobby! Don't leave me! I fucking hate her. Like, you killed D. Wallace to, to let this bitch live? Like, oh my god, bitch, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, and, uh, uh, d- 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 uh, Doug and shit looks fucking weird. And uh, in the commentary, uh, Wes Craven um comments that uh he had a beard and they asked him to shave it and he warned them he does not look good without a beard. And they're like, no, we need you with just a mustache. And then he shaved it off and they were like, oh fuck, dude, you were right. You, you yeah, suck. and you they look. were. <laughs> and he was right because that mustache yeah. is bad. Yeah, yeah. If if you notice in the remake, Doug can, uh, has a beard, and that was a reference to the ba- of the fact that they asked Martin Spellman to fucking shave his shit, and they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I like no, there are some good things I like about it. Uh, uh, the last uh, like twenty minutes is really a grabber, and that's where Wes really excels in like his climaxes. Like he really builds a lot of tension, even 
like uh, I'll admit, uh, Last House on the Left is a fucking classic too and shit. But a lot of it is a piece of shit movie. Uh, them fucking song choices, oh my god. But the last, <laughs> the last fifteen twenty minutes of the Last House on the Left fucking grab you. Like, and and this one does as well and shit. Even with like you know the booby traps where they, uh, they fucking uh with the car and they use the fucking poor dead mom as bait and all that shit to turn the dad, uh, and, which which is fucking crazy if you think about it. To use your dead mom's body as bait. Um, but like like with that being said, like yeah, this movie has not aged well, and uh, I love you, Wes, but uh, yeah, this this uh, I even think he knew that because he was. Uh, if you listen to the commentary he did with producer Peter Locke, he was making fun of this shit throughout the whole fucking uh, commentary. He was like, yeah, what the, look at that fucking makeup job. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, Wes. May, may God rest your soul. But uh, yeah, this one does not hold up on repeat viewings. Yeah, when, when you mentioned the makeup job, I, there was one time, I think it was the scene where Jupiter's talking to the dad's burnt head. And he's kind of like looking into the camera. And as he's talking, you can see like the scars on his nose are, are like coming off off of his face with a latex. <laughs> isn't quite yeah. stuck to his face. Yeah, Wes mentions that. He was like, oh, God, look at that. It's Jesus Christ. We <laughs> <laughs> just kind of phoned it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they thought they were doing their best and shit. And then they look back and I was like, oh, God, cringe, dude. <laughs> it's George Lucas. We've had about three different remasters by now. Ah, yeah, word, right? <laughs> <laughs> they would all look beautiful, though. Okay, uh, Erica. Okay, well, so I saw this movie on video probably 20 years ago, which, like, damn, that makes me feel kind of old. Um, or maybe even longer than that, when I was on my big West Craven kick after Scream came out. And I gotta say, I did not love The Hills Have Eyes when I first watched it. And then I revisited it when Joe Bob showed it on Dinners of Death on Shudder and found out I still don't like this movie. It's like, it's just another one of those where it's like, yeah, my opinion has not changed at all. Um, however, for people who do have Shudder, I do recommend that episode because the Michael Berryman interview is fantastic. And there's yeah. like so many cool facts about, uh, you know, that actor's career and about the making of this film. But I just, I don't know, like Wes Craven though. I mean, his movies are so hit or miss. Like he's either completely brilliant or it's like, com or just makes complete shit. And it's like, there's no in between. Like, I know this is definitely not one of his worst films, but look at some of the, these other films like Vampire in Brooklyn, Cursed. I like fucking hate Cursed with a passion. <laughs> it's like the dog, my soul to take was kind of bad i think like i don't know it's like i just don't know like how he, he can be so great and then just so awful and it's like you know what what the hell but like with this film i mean i know it was made for like something like seven hundred thousand dollars so it was cheap but i've seen some very cheap films that look better than this film like it's too dark it's too grainy there's a lot of bad makeup jobs there's a lot of like really i think bad acting or at least the characters are just annoying as fuck. Like Rob was saying about the um, the one sister, the name, the blonde girl. Yeah, like I hate her voice and just like everything about her just grates on me. And it's like if this is the family we were supposed to be rooting for, it's like I wanted them all dead in the first five minutes of the scene <laughs> interact with each other. Like, can we just like hurry up this cannibal thing and just get rid of these people? Like, let's get that. to it. <laughs> Can, can I can, can I just say that uh, 
Eddie, um, Wes Craven actually got the job directing Vampire in Brooklyn because of this movie, because <laughs> Eddie Murphy was a huge fan of it. Yeah, not to show my hand, but I love Vampire in Brooklyn, and we what will be call- talking about it very soon. Oh. What you call it? Um, the, my favorite part of Vampire in Brooklyn is the end credits. Um, I know. <laughs> but um, when when Eddie first met Wes, Wes recalled that the, the the first time he met Eddie Murphy, Eddie said to him, "Baby fat, you fat, fat and juice." That was his favorite line in the movie. Uh, so, so when she mentioned when she mentioned Vampire in Brooklyn, I want to point that out that Wes got that job because of this movie, and it was it's one of Eddie Murphy's favorite movies. I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. Okay, uh, Daniel. Well, I'm going to be in the minority here and say I prefer this one over the original. Over the remake, I mean. Okay. You know, the remake was visually more effective. I will give it that. But this one, I feel, was more visceral. And the comparisons, of course, Wes Craven acknowledged the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I also feel a strong relationship to uh, Deliverance. Yeah. Yes. And... Yeah, the acting is really corny, but in a way that makes it more effective to me. Because let's face it, you meet a really crazy person, and they're not going to act rational. But yeah. I, I, I will acknowledge, yeah, the photography was bad. It was so dark, you could barely see what's going on half the time. And it does drag. It does drag. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, they could have cut down a lot and made it. It wouldn't hurt the end product at all. Well, what we got was cut down. Yeah, it was oh, geez, even worse. It was what, rated X, and he he edited it to an R. Yeah, you could still you could you could notice a lot of the cuts where they cut out, especially yeah, where definitely. um where jump, where, jump, where jump and, uh, yeah, where, where Jupiter's talking to um the dad's head, severed head. You could tell there's yeah. a lot of cuts in that scene alone. The, um, yeah, this uh, I I agree with you. Um, uh, it, what, I want uh, hold on, Dan. I wanted to mention sorry. that it's it's funny that you mentioned that that. Uh, how it feels long and it's only 89 minutes and, and, and the remake and the remake is 115 minutes and it feels a lot shorter that's a good point that's fucking that's wild that's a good argument right there yeah. Yeah. but um in a way i think it's a product of its age because um the whole subplot about how like the air force has this desert blocked off today that won't fly you know like we know I mean, a year or two ago, we had A's try to raid Area 51. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Electric fence boogaloo. Um, but I mean, like back then, the idea that there could be these secrets was much more mysterious, much more intriguing. Now, it's common knowledge. Right, right. And um, I will say this movie also brings to mind a story about, of all people, Robert Mitchum. The movie Night of the Hunter, you've seen that, I'm assuming. Oh, so mm-hmm. yeah, a hot minute, yes. Yeah, Preacher Powell. Um, Robert Mitchum, in his youth, he actually did spend some time as a hobo. Hmm. You know, he bummed across America. I did not know that. And when he played the Preacher Powell, he said that he drew off his memories that period. Huh. Because he came across some real backwoods communities where it was like deliverance, you know, like friggin' deliverance. Like... Hmm. And you think about that, there, there could possibly be some real communities in the United States, kind of like Hills Have Eyes, where they're just, they're out there in the desert. West Virginia. Mountain <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Mama. Yeah. That, that's where I feel this movie has more punch than the remakes, because the remakes are all about the mutations, these uh, deranged, you know, half-human creatures. This one's about, it's about people, but they're living so cut off from everything else that, well... 
they become little better than animals. Yeah, very good points. Uh, Dave? No, uh, the, one, the one thing I took away from this movie, this movie, 1977, this is a post-Vietnam sort of um, assault on, on traditional, what were considered then traditional American film. You got this white, very white family trekking across the country in obviously a, an expensive trailer and, and station wagon hauling them. The dad, who's called Big Bob, so that's, that's a trigger right there. You know, he was a cop. He says some fucking racist shit early on. Yeah. What does he say? First of all, that, that I had to pause it and rewind that. Did he just say that they were shooting arrows at him in Chicago? I don't remember that in the news. I think that would have made Cleveland. the news if I Cleveland. I'm sorry. So so we immediately don't like Big Bob. He's a big racist bully. And so this is totally fucking uh, post-Vietnam America, the haves versus the have-nots. You've got this family out of their element. The fucking gas station guy warns them. But by the way, this movie introduced, as far as I know. The, uh, the the doomsayer that we had like in um, Cabin in the Woods, the guy who tells them the what not what not, and they totally ignore him to to their damnation. <laughs> they ignore the guy who knows what he's talking about to the, because well we're obviously rich and white we we know better than you to their damnation. They're, uh, you know when when they go Can off. Can I with, inter- after, intervene here a minute, please? Please. Um, this is I'm going to be in Blairstown tomorrow. I've talked to the director of the museum there. I've I've volunteered to be Crazy Ralph. You're doomed. You're doomed. <laughs> That's a class. That, and it's become such a trope. You know, the guy who tells them. We've got it in what you've got it in uh, Friday the 13th. The guy who warns them. A million horror yeah, movies. Yeah. As far as I know, this is the first movie to have that. So in 1977, remember post-Vietnam, we hated it. We hated it. You almost want this family to get what's coming to them. They're where they don't belong. They're full of themselves. Well, you know, our whiteness will get us through the desert. And the, and the fact that um, <laughs> they wind up on a military bombing range. And, the, and I don't know if this is just my uh, my uh, Air Force nerdiness, but the planes that were that they showed in the stock footage bombing them were F-105 Thunder Chiefs, which were the main Vietnam you know fighter bomber from that era. So it's totally it, it's it's such a it's such an obvious to me because uh, I was you know I'm a little older is that that whole thing about, you know, that, that post-Vietnam rejection of like white authority. Yeah, you get, and you, you almost want them to get what's coming to them. I mean, I, I, that sounds twisted, but it's true. Um, especially, again, especially yeah, Big Judge, Bob. My classic line. Please do. But along your line there, there was that post-Vietnam, there's a little bit also of, uh, well, basically affluent white America for the first time encountering men who really were that traumatized coming back from the wild, you know, just, like yeah, the ha- the have nots, the have nots. Southeast Asia mode. You can this say is that, like, and okay, we're encountering people who are still in that post-apocalyptic desert mode. Yeah, no, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, they, this is the have nots eating the haves. Yeah, and, and, uh, to, to jump uh, to to piggyback off what uh, Dave said uh, about uh, Bob being racist, I just thought he was Republican. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what, are they not the same thing? I'm sorry. No, no, exactly. <laughs> we just lost half our audience. He's just trying to make America great again. Well, bearing in mind also, that this is around the time probably of Watergate and uh, some of the revelations about the things Nixon was saying in private. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that we can't believe anything we're told. This is the beginnings of that. Yeah. Don't trust anyone over 30. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I love that. Is my favorite line from Planet of the Apes. Don't trust anyone over 30. Yep. I love that line. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to jump in here. I want to talk a little bit about Wes Craven. Um, as you guys know, my favorite villain of all time is Freddy Krueger. 
And I feel like Rob was saying, like it's important that we have Last House on the Left. It's important that we have The Hills Have Eyes. But I don't think Wes really found his groove until Nightmare on Elm Street, where he yeah. figured out what he was doing and he really hit success because like people noticed these films, but they didn't get cult status till much later. You know, I, I think, you know, definitely I like a Nightmare on Elm Street better than oh, this. Yeah. Uh, Scream, I'll reserve my opinions for that episode. But um, Wes Craven, who I, I love just for simply giving me Freddy and, uh, you know, which was a big, it still is a big obsession of mine. Um, yeah, I, I just like Wes is one of those that proves, you know, that there was one of those. Uh, he started in porn and went on to horror because it's, it's so closely correlated. A lot of people who directed porn. They're like, I can make a horror movie. And he was trying to get out of that. But he also did not want to be pigeonholed as a horror director. But guess what? Sometimes that's it. That's those are the jobs that you get, especially if people are seeing your horror work. They're like, we want more of that. Like, do it again. Do something different. So, um, yeah, like West, I really don't feel like he he found a good groove. He's, you know, it saved New Line Cinema um, with Freddie and I just think, you know, Freddie was much better done than this. These are movies like if you're giving somebody a list, like things you need to see as a horror fan, you need to see this doesn't mean you have to like it. I am going to throw out the gauntlet as well. I prefer the remake. Um, that's not, that's not common for me. I do prefer the remake. Uh, that was when that little tiny part of time in the early two thousands where we got some pretty good remakes of shit. Um, I can name quite a few of them. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, is one. I really like the remake of that, although I do love... I also love the original film. This one, I wouldn't say I love this film. But I do like the remake. I was so impressed with it. Uh, um, I, I, I'm bad at French, so hang, hang in there. Um, Alexandra Aja? Aja, Aja. Yeah, I knew it was Aja, but I couldn't... I don't, I oui. Alexandra? Alexander, I don't know how you say it. I, but, yeah, I love that director. He, yeah, he yeah. did high That's, tension. I love so, yeah. it. And so, Piranha 3D, which is yes. Like, yeah. So, so he did. You know, he's done some cool stuff, and that's why I think the remake was in the right hands. I love High Tension. We will be doing a Ghouls Night Out about High Tension coming up at some point shortly. But um, yeah. So we will be talking about that. But yeah, it's okay to if I put them side by side and you gave me a choice, I would pick the remake. Daniel was right that it's more about mutations and things like that, but I just thought it was it had genuine scares. It was genuinely creepy. And there's a different message in this film, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. One, there was a different ending, and it was, like, much more Miss Mary Sunshine, everybody holds hands kind of shit. But <laughs> I like the bleak ending that he decided to go with. Um, and I did talk about how he looks, you know, Doug's looking up, well, there's my baby girl I came out here for, but I'm going to keep fucking this dude up i you know so that's what craven's uh message was is that you know he wanted to see show how savage people can get and so we have this all-american white family and they turn into they're just as savage as the rest of them when it comes down to it so that's all um you that's actually perfect for what i was gonna oh, okay. as far as that like that message though like i get that that's part of the point he was trying to make but i think other movies have done this better like um i agree i don't like the the animal cruelty part of uh, cannibal holocaust i really think they they do this civilized people are more savage than the savages kind of thing um i just i just thought that was like a lot more effective than what the hills have eyes did with that same concept just Slight, slight side rant, but I know someone's going to bring up the real life backstory 
cartoon about the hills have eyes, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, wants to tackle that. Okay, I just I just wanted to jump in real quick, and and I'm I'm hoping I'm thinking Mac will agree with me. I'm hoping you know somebody else will too. But we know that we know that that Jupiter is the son of the the gas station. Uh, what is that? Fred's Oasis. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know we know that at ten years old he he basically left him for dead in the desert. So they've been out there for about forty, maybe fifty years out in this fucking desert and this is the fucking family that fucking kills them all are you fucking kidding me <laughs> like all the all the families they fucking terrorized out there that for in that 50 years and this is the fuck doug is the one that fucking does it in the remake you believe it though and this one is right. like so really the remake i feel like does a better job with the material and i mean oh, yeah. and, the, and the thing with with doug and and i know it you know we, they end up using it later but he goes on that fucking nine mile trek or five mile trek or whatever, and he comes back with all this random shit from a fucking old army tower, you know? It was just rope. He just comes back with rope, which cracked me up. I'm like, oh, he brought back rope. Back oh, in. great. Right. Yeah. But it's like, and that's fun, you know, it, it comes back in, but it's like at the time, like you're stranded in the middle of the fucking desert and you're just going to go grab whatever random shit you can fucking find and carry it five well, miles back. Get somewhere. <laughs> yeah, some, oh, I know. Somebody's got to do it. It, it, almost, it almost worked. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> it almost worked. You get a gold star. Uh, Matt. <laughs> All right, I know I came in a little hot earlier. Sorry about that. But this is coming from a non-horror guy, so take what I say, a grain of salt. Now, I will say Wes Craven has a lot of stuff that I like other than this. Yeah. Uh, Freddie, 110%. Like, But this, I know y'all feel like that it had to be made. I feel like, you know... I could have did without it. There are some parts, though, that I did enjoy. Like, early in the beginning, um, John Stedman, he did, like, a gasp when he was talking to that girl. <laughs> I like that part quite a bit. And um, at the back end, when the dog was fucking shit up, that actually made me look up from my phone. Because I started, and then it, I, I got caught up in my phone because it wasn't holding me. And then I heard a dog walling out, and I was like, oh. All right. And like that made me pay more attention. So I feel like uh, Candy said, Wes Grayson, he's the man. R.I.P. Like he's done some great things. This, though, in my book, as someone who's it's like I said, I'm not a fan of horror like that. You guys are getting me there. But if I didn't watch this and watch something else, I would have been 10 times happier. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You and me both, man. <laughs> uh, Daniel, did you want to go? I saw you took your hand down. Um, you guys have kind of covered it, actually. And just um, something I do want to say is that, uh, like, I compare this to Spielberg directing Duel and then Jaws. Yeah. Tells of Eyes to Freddy, Nightmare on Elm Street. You can see some of the evolution where he was building a villain who is charismatic, who has these memorable one-liners, and has that visual look that just punches you straight in the face. And mm-hmm. so I think that is worth noting. And, and Duel has the same dynamic. You've got this guy in his in his fancy new car, you know, driving, thinking he's, Very you know, nothing can, nothing can touch me. And then suddenly this, you know, disgusting, dirty truck, I've you know, where, um, you know, all of a sudden, like, your rules, the, the big city rules don't apply to you out here in the fucking boonies, man. You know, that's, that's the same kind of feel that I get from this movie. Like, uh... Like, you know, deliverance. 
Yeah, yeah Deliverance is yeah. a perfect example. Yeah, Deliverance, you're right. You ain't, you ain't from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> uh, yeah, Rob? A uh, quick question. Uh, Daniel, how much fucking time do you spend in Blairstown? Because I feel like you mentioned that shit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last time was about a year ago, actually. Really? Because the, 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 you, you talk about Blairstown a lot. I'm like, damn, you might as well I, move I, there, I, motherfucker. I promote, I promote that town because I think they deserve it. Nah, I feel you, I feel you, I feel you, I feel you. I'm just fucking with you. But, um, yeah, uh, Wes, he, uh, to go back to Wes, he definitely, um, you can see the evolution of him as a director because this is a lot more, at least, um, in the scheme of things, there's a lot more confident a production than The Last House on the Left was. You can tell it was a very amateurish production, especially when you have Sean Cunningham as your producer, and it's like, <laughs> you know... Uh, yeah, he made Friday the Thirteenth, but he's a shit director, if you ask me. Um, Thank you. No, I. <laughs> I mean, the, the best movie he made was Deep Star Six, and the monster doesn't even show up until almost an, uh, af- uh, a little over an hour into the fucking movie. Yeah, uh, that, that's Sean Cunningham for you. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, you, I, I appreciate Wes so much. You know what I'm saying? Because you know. He he just you know kept working on his craft until he made Nightmare on Elm Street, which is obviously his quintessential film. Uh, the and, and like he still made had missteps going along the way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I, I like that. I, I, I guess I figured I'd be the one to mention it was uh, The Hills Have Eyes Part Two, uh, the sequel to this shit, where we um. The, the the first 15 20 minutes are all flashbacks to the first movie because he was trying to kill time we even see <laughs> we even see a, a fucking a beast have a flashback there's a fucking flashback <laughs> from a dog <laughs> and, yeah and the baby and, has a flashback <laughs> yeah and, and like he just needed a paycheck he just made that real quick because he needed money um and that was basically just a Friday the 13th clone in itself but then uh, he after that because it was released in 1985, but it was made in 1983. So after that, he made Nightmare on Elm Street, where he hit it big, you know, and uh, he became the great Wes Craven that we all know today. You know, and he still had, you know, uh, say what you will about Shocker. I love Shocker, but it's entirely. I do too, but it's entirely too long. There's too much fucking myth building in that one. Hey, we have um, coming up. Yeah, the, you could have cut out 20 minutes of Shocker, and it would have been perfect. Um, but, uh, God bless that man. Uh, I know he, he didn't want to keep making horror movies. I remember you mentioned, uh, uh, we mentioned Vampire in Brooklyn and, uh, he actually had a falling out with Eddie Murphy during the production of that because Eddie wanted a straight horror movie, which is why he chose Wes Craven and Craven wanted to make a comedy. He's like, Oh, great. You know, I got Eddie Murphy. I can make a comedy. And Eddie was like, no, I want to do you know, some serious horror shit because Eddie was trying to break out of that, you know, comedic, mm-hmm. you know, sensibilities. He wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. So th- that's why... Neighborhood! Yeah, that's why that movie's... Kind of, like, <laughs> I, I know you like it, Candy, but I think it's kind of a fucking mess. Uh, well, not kind of. I, about, I, I, about my thoughts on that when we do it. Yeah, I'll remove, I'll remove the kind of part. It is a fucking mess. Um, <laughs> every, every time I watch it, I'm like, Angela Bassett, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh. And, 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 like, you know, he finally got his uh, his way when uh, they wanted him to make Scream 3. And he's like, I'll do Scream 3 if you let me make uh, this Meryl Streep movie about uh, violins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, like, you know, uh, like, oh, Wes Craven got a new movie? 
Oh, Meryl Streep? What the fuck is this, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in theater, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for But, uh, you know, I think it's um with Wes, it's like... To, to see the, the maturization of him as an artist, you know, like we could talk shit about this movie all night, but still, like, it, it shows that he's improving his craft, you know, it's a stepping stone, you know, uh, it's like you said, Candy, like, it, we couldn't have gotten Nightmare on Elm Street without this or The Last House on the Left, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's great to see, like, you know, somebody make the necessary adjustments as a filmmaker, you know, uh, Last House on the Left is, is fucking chintzy bullshit a lot of the time, and this one a little less so, but still kind of chintzy bullshit. Even though there there's a lot of scenes in it that are grabber, like that fucking tra- trailer scene is fucking great, yeah. uh, which features the the famous uh, Jaws poster torn in half, which basically yeah. Um, yeah, followed. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sam Raimi and his like fucking going back and forth. Uh, between the two of them for years and shit, which led to um, Wes Craven killing Ted Raimi and Shocker. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you you want to fuck with me? I'm gonna kill your brother, motherfucker. <laughs> so like, yeah, like uh, you know, um, I I just I just you know like I, I realize you know we're we're not maybe Daniel's the only one is the the the, the odd man now who prefers this one. Um, and we just kind of like, ah, you know, whatever. But I still think it's, it's, it's great to point out that he, he was an evolving artist. You know, he was he was perfecting his craft until we got the, the classics from him that we did. You know what I'm saying? And I just wanted to like not really as a defense, you know, because we're not really talking shit about him. Um, but it's just uh, kind of like, you know, just, yeah, this one doesn't really work on repeat viewings, but still, like, you know, he wasn't the West we know yet, but, you know, he was still getting there. So we have to cut him some slack, you know? I mean, he's forever going to be the OG. Like, he's oh, yeah. great. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I just said, but yeah, we could have did without this. Um, okay, uh, Dave? I just wish we had gotten a little bit more of the kind of wily Coyote moments that, like, this movie kind of chooses <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Like with the um, when he um, when they they use the rope, which which I thought was funny that that the guy brought back he brought back nothing but rope on his expedition, but then they used it by you know putting around the the car's um, you know a hub, and then they got Papa Jupiter in it. But then it kind of just it, it didn't uh, it didn't play out the way I wanted. I wanted to see more of that than like coming up with these traps. Yeah. Really, so that that was disappointing. I wanted more of that. I just thought that was what funny. Is, that yeah. What is with Craven and booby traps? Oh yeah, that's his thing. That's that's really yeah, his I'm thing. I'm survival. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm in a survival. Yeah, he really loved the booby trap thing. It, yeah. it, all the way back to Last House on the Left, they have fucking booby traps in there. Mm-hmm. They got booby traps in this. They got booby. But summer. Uh, yeah, it's really perfected though in Nightmare on Elm Street. The death scene where Nancy's laying out the booby trap is probably my favorite scene in the fucking movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, you got that Charles Bernstein score and shit, and it's fucking wonderful playing over like that montage. It like it almost feels like a horror movie version of fucking Rambo suiting up for war. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's fucking, yeah, it's fucking great. But like, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, Wes really loved fucking booby traps, man. Like, <laughs> that was his fucking thing. I think he, he even did it in Shocker, too. He had fucking booby yeah. traps kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. He did. He loves that shit. He loved that shit. God bless that man. Okay, I'm going to 
to jump in really quick. Uh, I'll start the Sawney Bean. Okay, so they were a cannibalistic tribe. Um, and they were, and what Wes was trying to go for was, I mean, this is like 15th century shit, but they were um, doing similar types of things. They had, you know, sort of traps to get people. And there was like this cave and, you know, there's there's a lot to what the Sawney Bean um, tribe was doing. But when they finally got caught, not only did, you know, because people were so horrified at what they were doing and what they found, um, they, instead of just hanging the motherfuckers, which is what, you know standard protocol at the time um they they tortured them they brutalized them and and that's what the message is here so i have to give credit for that um that you know the whole savageness like because i'm pretty outspoken about being anti-death penalty um i don't i think like if you're gonna punish a murder by murdering somebody um don't aren't you a murderer so like this is what i was always debating in debate class like I'm anti, you know, death penalty. So, but then they, they tortured these fuckers until, you know, they couldn't just kill them. They tortured them first. And I'm just like, so you're not even any better, are you? And that's the message really at the, the end of the day with this is about, and I think, you know, he did a pretty decent job at that. Like I mentioned, you know, Doug has the push between going to get his baby and, and, and he's clearly this dude's dead, but he wants to just keep like fucking, like fucking this dude up, pulping him out, like with this, with shit, anything he can get his hands on, like just beating the shit out of him. So yeah, it is savage. But I also, um, the bleak ending, here's me, and I have questions, is like, okay, so they set up the booby trap using good old mom's bait, you know, which they have like a brief five second thing, like, oh, I don't want to do this. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> Brenda, everyone, yeah. Brenda. No, no, mom. Okay, bye. Um, anyway, so my my thoughts are, you know, we have this bleak ending. We don't really have any answers because, one, the booby trap that Bobby and Brenda set using Mama's bait, um, they blow everything up. Um, they blow up the, the trailer, which could have given them shelter. Um, they know nobody's going to come help them. Um, they blow up everything they own. And that tribe's still out there, you know, so it's just like, I just have questions and I did not want to watch the Hills have eyes too. Um, I had a feeling maybe it might answer some questions, but I don't really care that much. <laughs> I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I saw this movie and I'm like, Oh, so that's a thing. Okay. Um, back to Freddie. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about Freddie. No, okay. Um, but you know, uh, also the real dead dog in it. I'm like, kill all the humans you want. Don't, they, they went and they bought a dead dog. <laughs> it's a literally a dead yeah. dog. And they and they bought it from the sheriff. Which I always, I just wanted to know what that conversation was like. You're like, you walk into the sheriff's office. Hey, do you guys happen to have a dead German shepherd we could buy? We got like 20 bucks. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but like, do we need to like, use a real dead dog? Because I don't like that moment. I don't, I don't, it's, it makes it, it, it less of a, a horror movie and, and more of like real terror i'm I'm not cool with like do we need there i don't like it i don't like that yeah. so yeah as the history buff i'm gonna add in here sorry to burst your bubble sonic beans bullshit <laughs> yeah there, there's like no real actual documentation of that ever happening it's just like a tale that's a been myth. passed down yes yeah it's like an urban myth yeah. Well, because we like we like that kind of story. We like the have-nots eating the haves. We enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. We I mean, do. It's an interesting mythology, um, to say the least. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, and it's it's no different than you know the the Puritans, you know, persecuting women as being witches because you know yep. they can they can turn oh, a man's eye just you know by by looking a certain way, you know, and and all of a sudden they're fucking enchanting them and and you know the the devil's sucking on their teats and all this shit, but <laughs> he wasn't man with teats because <laughs> I have teats. We like that. <laughs> Don't say, stop saying teats. The type of moles that I have up here, because it's like a genetic thing, they're called witch's teats. And if you had those back in the day, they would persecute you as a witch. No. Like, witch's yeah. teeth? What? Teeth. No, teats. 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 Like, teats. Like, 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 Milk I mean, I have teats too. I got yeah, yeah. some big ones. I do, I do, I do too. <laughs> but you're a man. They wouldn't have killed you. You know, back in the day, fat people were rich, all right? They were kings. Well, and everything. like me were like the the standard. You wanted to be a big curvy girl because that was a fertility. Henry VIII. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yes, I'll just execute my wives. <laughs> ha. Uh, can I just <laughs> add that the, the best thing to come out of uh, the Hills of Eyes Part Two is it was the first time Kevin Blair and Kane Hodder worked together. Uh, they would eventually work together again on Friday Thirteen Part Seven. And Kevin Blair admitted that uh, he got uh, he got so into the scene and, you know, with uh, Kane being there that he, uh, you know, um, you had Lar Park Lincoln playing Tina and he called her Cass, which was a character in Hills of Ice Part 2. And Kane Harder stopped and lifted up his mask and said, wrong movie, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the best thing to come out of uh, Hills of Ice Part 2. I, I will say that. Like as much shit as we're talking about the Hills of Eyes here, it's it's at least better than the Hills of Eyes Part Two. Well, that, yeah. that was my takeaway from it. So I chose I chose life. I chose the smart thing and decided not. Always, to always, I'm, I'm with Candy on that one. Always choose life. Like like <laughs> like Transpotting Two said, choose life. Always choose life. Choose life. Yeah, I didn't watch Hills Have Eyes 2 either. Like, if I did, I completely repressed the memory. Like, maybe I did watch the movie. Erica, Erica, trust me. Erica, trust me. Don't. Just yeah. don't. Yeah, Wes did, did it for the check. He didn't give a shit. Uh, you know, fuck, fuck it. Uh, I'm getting paid. This is what it is. Take it. I don't give a fuck. And, and that's, the, the, that's what it is. So don't even bother. Just don't bother. <laughs> And I heard he and, just used, Phil did a lot of filler time by using footage from the first film just to yes, add. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the first 15, 20 minutes are basically flashbacks to, to the first one. Oh, gee. I hate, uh, I hate movies do that. It's so lazy. Uh, also, um, I will say that uh, um, history repeats itself because while the Hills Have Eyes remake is fantastic and we love it, the Hills Have Eyes 2, the sequel to that remake, uh, is a piece of shit. Is a piece of shit. <laughs> And and I saw that for my fucking birthday. Like Mac, uh, uh, you you were not there for this, but uh, remember the night that uh, we were chilling in my uh, uh, E's house, um, and fucking uh, die came and and drove you to fucking Staten Island when where you gave her the name Miss Andretti. Mm-hmm. Die was fucking flying, yo. Like she like she drove like fucking mad woman. The she next day, yeah, the next day was my birthday and. Like a dick. Instead of choosing 300, I chose The Hills of Ice 2 to see, and I was fucking mad at myself on my birthday because well, you that, should be. that movie's a piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, like the addition of this film, because the first one is definitely better than the second one. Yeah. Well, if we're going that route, 
That's why um, I say history repeats itself because it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wanted to point something out, Rob. I think it was you. I'm going all the way back to the beginning of of this episode, as you had said something about you know why Bobby waited so long yes. to tell them about the dog, and if you think about it. I mean, it would have changed everything because yeah. this, was bef- this was before, you know, Doug and, and Big Bob fucking went their separate ways. You know what I'm saying? Like they could have come together. They had both the guns there. They could have devised a fucking plan. You know what I'm saying? But that little bitch yeah. waited Fuck Bobby. And, yeah. and blew snot out of his nose. For no, You know what I'm saying? Like right. basically o- almost everything that happens in this movie is fucking Bobby's fault. Yeah. Bobby. Yeah. The, the only thing I will give Bobby points for is the fact when Brenda is like, uh, "Oh my God, they're outside. They're coming back to get me. They're gonna get me, Bobby. Shut up." Yeah. He's like, yes. <laughs> Tell that bitch to shut up, please. I'm tired of her fucking screaming. Tell her to shut the fuck up. I can't stand her anymore, Bobby. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt. I almost forgot what I was gonna say. My bad. My bad. Um, but uh, <clears throat> this movie came out before. The last house on the left or after? After. All right. So About that five scene years. where they blew up the father, like the, the the sound coming from there made it sound like it was going to be like crazy. Right. And then when they pulled him out, my man looked like he was cleaning a chimney. Like, <laughs> what? Like, they blew it up. I was expecting like a limb, a foot, an arm or something. Nah, it looked like he caught too much charcoal and lighter fluid. Yeah. They have to do a much better job in the remake with that. Yeah, it, it looked like a fucking muffler just blew up on his shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was comical. Like, is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> kind of funny? That kind of threw me off. But like I said, yeah. uh, Wes Craven is the goat, man. Like, he's an OG. He's got he got bangles. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> he's one. Of, he's one of the four horsemen. You know. What I'm right. Saying? Like. Yeah. Like, I mean, we could talk shit. Like I said, we could talk shit about this movie all night. But you know, you can't. It's undeniable that. It changed the face of horror for a lot of people in the 70s, you know, coupled with, of course, the the other three horsemen of the horror apocalypse. Uh, you had Romero with Romero. Dawn of the Dead, of course, Candy, you know, the, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Romero first. Um, of course, Carpenter with Halloween, and you had Hooper, of course, with the immortal classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, you know, the, these two guys, the, these four guys did the damn thing. But, you know, like you had fucking Wes Craven coming out with two back to back bangers, you know, saying compared, you know, to, in the 70s, you know, this was all shocking to people. Now we're looking yeah. back at it and we're like, what the fuck is this, dude? Um, <laughs> you know, but I think that, you know, Wes Craven was like the only real one to like to persevere, like, you know, because he changed with the time. What you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like even in the eighties, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the, the, the other three were like kind of getting shitted on. Uh you had Hooper with Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, which I love, but I everybody hit I, I know Erica. Uh, the <laughs> you and me you and me are together. <laughs> you and me are together on that one. Uh everyone hated that. Uh you know, people were starting to shit on Carpenter, you know, after the failure of the thing. Um and Romero and shit. Unfortunately, you know, Day of the Dead was a fucking. I, I don't know why that movie was a failure. I guess because after Return of the Living Dead, but we discussed that before. That Return of yeah, the Living Dead kind of providing love for Day of the Dead is so right. great. Yeah, like you know, we it, it, that's kind of like you know really conflicting because as much as we love Return of the Living Dead, it, it really ruined Day of the Dead. You know, for everybody else. That was so serious. Return of the Living Dead was having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, it, it was having fun with it. 
you know, but Wes Craven was the only one in that decade to kind of just, you know, keep moving along. You know, wow. he had Nightmare on Elm Street, and then he had uh, The Serpent in a Rainbow, which is my favorite movie of his, which is the scariest okay. movie I've ever seen. And, you know, uh, I mean, he still had his fucking, you know, failures. You know, Shocker didn't do that well. He was yeah. trying to recreate, he was trying to recreate the kind of Freddy thing, you know, and he just put too much thought into it. Uh, you know, but then, like, you know, he rebounded, you know, a couple years later with the, the people under the stairs, which I fucking love to death. Uh, yes, Mac. You, I, me, like, you know, fucking good right. movie. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me tell you, like, Mac, Mac, like, Mac is not the big horror guy and shit, but, like, our love I see for your face fuck- candy. It's good, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Candy, I will jump through the screen and fight you. Okay, I'll bring my not- drink. Fight! Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll battle with that. I'll bring no, my armor. Candy, you and me will be fighting if you disrespect the people under the stairs in front of <clears> me. <throat> God damn it! You have the right to not like it. I don't, I don't like see it. what the fucking fuss is about it. I never did when it came out, and I still don't get it. Ooh, I don't you don't like, like cockroach? You don't uh, like cockroach? Cover me, Rob. Cover me, Rob. <laughs> Just but, Rob. Let's go. But, Right, but you got the, uh, you know, and then of course Scream came out, you know what I'm saying, and like, you know, he reinvented horror again. You know, the man was reinventing horror, you know, every decade he had. I mean, he didn't really get the aughts, you know what I'm saying, because Curse kind of got fucked up by the Weinsteins, fuck them, you know. Yeah. But but he but he still had like, you know, Red Eye was still a great movie for that decade. Uh, I I really like Red Eye. Oh, um, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Eye is great. And then, of course, you know, his, unfortunately, the, his his final movie, Scream 4, which also kind of got fucked up a little bit. Um, I, I like it, but, you know, the, the, the original was the, the masterpiece. It's the great one. We will um, be talking about Scream very, yeah, very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and me will be arguing about that one. Because, um, I don't know. You, you don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, no, because uh, I we we talked about Scream a little bit in the first season, and you and me kind of butted heads on that one a little bit. I I'll, I have notes, but it's not everything that you think. You yeah. I have I have some things to say, but I my my my, my box my boxing gloves are coming, and they're going to be tied tight, and we're going to be surprised if you have to use them, right? Fight. I have things to say about Scream. Not put all of this bad and not all of this good, so I will just say that. I, I look put at him you, up, I, put him up. I look at you. Put him up. And I say... <laughs> I fight you with one hand behind my back. I fight you with my eyes closed. Put him up. Put him up. Put him up. <laughs> hey, uh, Dave... <laughs> the, yeah, the one the one thing I wanted... I, I wish I'd mentioned this earlier when I was talking about you know the whole post-Vietnam repudiation of, like, white privilege was, you know, Big Bob, he gets crucified. That's a total repudiation of Judeo-Christian values. He's, they, they use wooden pegs to, to, to nail him to the, uh, the, the cactus. They shove a cactus in his mouth, which is, you know, the scourging. He's, that, it's, it's subversive, and I, that's the one thing I like about this movie. It's subversive, and, and I love that, um, that sort of just post-Vietnam distrust of anything we were told was pure and good. Fuck you. Turn it on its head. And I, I, that's that's the one. My defense of the when we get to the ratings, that's my defense of this film. It's subversive, and I dig that. And I just said dig, so I apologize. I say dig all the time. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying I, I, to. I'm trying to bring. I'm trying to bring it back. No, I say it too. I say it too. But uh, good. No, like back. Dave, you're absolutely correct. This this one definitely has those like 
those Vietnam kind of things, you know, because, you know, uh, America went in there like, you know, king shit with, you know, yeah, like, watch, yeah, watch, we're gonna... um, watch the, the Green Berets, watch uh, uh, John Wayne's The Green Berets and then, you know, and then watch this and look at the difference between the attitudes towards Vietnam. Uh, right. It, it just, it, you know, they lied to, I don't want you know what, 55,000 Americans died. Yeah, I don't want to. No, no, but no. It, they, it's they, great. They, it, it's, no, you're you're absolutely right in bringing that up because it is definitely a thing. Like you know, like fucking America went in there like they were the big fucking boss and shit, and yes, they got the, and they got their they got their fucking ass whooped by some fucking uh like you know some some little some uh, fucking jungle fighters. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Like, you know, which is fucking a lot. A lot of times it sticks a stone, like you know, saying like uh them fucking tunnels and the tunnel rats and shit. But that's not the Nothing way it's supposed to happen. That's know, not like, the way it was supposed to happen back then. Like we're white and we're Christian, we're supposed to win. You no, know? no, like, that, that's no, exact, no, that's right? exactly the point. Like you know, what I'm saying yeah. that 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 kind of arrogance. Like yeah, we're gonna go with them and show them who's fucking boss and shit. And they were arrogance. like, no, the fuck, no, the fuck, you're not. You're and gonna that's, get the and fuck that's, out of here. And that's the one word that describes Big Bob in this. He's arrogant. Yeah. He's, you know, he's and he gets. I mean, uh, you know, no, you he know what he gets is? What's, he gets what's coming to him. You know who he is? He's fucking Uncle Sam. You know, yeah, like, he's 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 America, big and strong and a bully. I, I'm sorry, I, but back then, I'm talking about you know just yeah, yeah. just prior to just post Vietnam. I'm a I'm a big white bully. I've got the guns. I'm I'm a Christian. I know what's right. And he gets what happens to him? He gets fucking crucified. Right, but, and set by, on fire. Right by a bunch, by a bunch of, like, of fucking hillbillies. Yeah, country, you know, you know, inbred fucking uh, folks who live in the hills. Again, right. the Vietnamese, right? Yeah, like it's it's basically like you know the Anglo-Saxon, you know, saying wasp type of individuals and shit, underestimating these these poor individuals and shit, and you know, I'm saying they go in there thinking they're king shit, and they get what's fucking coming to them yeah, every I, fucking I, time. I mean, that's fucking house. You understand? Like, yeah, yeah you're not, people are. People are going to fight a lot harder to defend their own country than than you are ever going to be able to fight to take it over. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, you're 100 percent that, right, and you're absolutely fucking correct to bring it up and shit. You know what I mean? Well, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna jump in here and touch back on what Brad was talking about. You know, the Four Horsemen and all that. You know, but they all made some pretty bad movies, but we still love them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all of them had some fuck ups trying to do something different. Now I'm gonna admit something that I never have admitted, but like we're we're gonna talk about Romero for a sec. Because Ramirez my favorite, but would you say that all of his movies are good? I no, would, oh, and, no. and no, nobody no, loves Romero no. more than I do. But no. and you guys know the films that I fucking hate from Romero. But I, I've never mentioned my my hate for the crazies. I feel like that movie is eighteen hours long. It's like so <laughs> slow, and I'm bored as fuck. And when shit starts happening, I no longer care about it. So the remake of the crazies, they actually like I won't say I prefer it because I can't. Um, but I would say that they. They made it a lot more interesting. They trimmed the fat. But also, yeah. also, also, they have Timothy Oliphant in it. Yeah, who that, is, a, is a god. That's so, always a fucking. So, win. I enjoyed the remake of the Crazies because it felt like a feature feature length film, and uh, you know, um, Ramirez's version just is like an hour too long. I mean, it would actually be like ninety minutes, but it's an hour too long. And I love Ramirez. So I'm saying like, yeah, they they've all done their things. Um, but you know they have noteworthy careers. They're they're important, and um, we do want to praise them where they need to be praised. Um, honestly, if you had to ask me, out of Craven's first two horror films, between *The Last House on the Left* and *The Hills Have Eyes*, 
I'm gonna pick Last House on the Left because it genuinely creeped me out. Yeah, um, it's a, when it was it's more actually, disturbing. Yeah. When yeah. it was actually done, well, like there's a lot of there's pacing issues there. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, we did see Wes like you know just evolve as a director, whereas yeah. you know fucking George um, Romero, George yeah. started right out the gate with fucking a hit that was absolutely stunning and amazing. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, not just pacing issues, but there's tone issues in yeah. The Last House on the Left. Like, yeah. you know, it was like, are we supposed to be serious? Like, we're supposed to be disturbed, and then there's a fucking what are we sitcom. To be right, now? right. Like, but like I said, the last 15 minutes are are absolutely fucking masterful and shit. When the dad comes upstairs with the. watch it. With, with, and, and, and fucking chases Krug with the fucking chainsaw and shit is a masterful fucking sequence. It is. Also, also when uh, the mom sucks Fred Lincoln's dick and then bites <laughs> it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying like that was a lot of padding <laughs> to that point. Like you could have cut parts of that out and still yeah. had a great film. But whatever. Like I'm just saying like the films have eyes. I mean it's there. You should watch it. Um, just to say you've watched it so you can say you, you add that to your repertoire. Um, yeah. as a horror fan, but like would I put this on repeat? Do I watch it often? Absolutely not. Um. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say the only person whose career got a boost out of this is Dee Wallace. And, um, you know, I love Dee Wallace, Scream Queen. She went on to do other things, um, not just in horror. I really love her. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to bring that up. Like, uh, for me, like, Craven starts at Nightmare on Elm Street. But if you may have from his earlier works, it would be last house on last. Just, just to add on to Dee Wallace, me and Di were rewatching this and, uh, we were talking about Dee Wallace and like, God, look how young she is, you know what I'm saying? But she's and, still cute as a button, even at oh her Oh my God, yes. Age. And yeah. she's like a young mom. But the thing is, is Brenda, um, Susan Lanier, who played her, her younger sister was actually older than Dee Wallace yeah. in this film. And, but uh, I, I will say that um, when we were talking about Dee Wallace, uh, we started talking about Cujo. And uh, I just want to point out. D. Wallace should have got a fucking Oscar for her performance to fucking Cujo. Yeah. Because she, yes, she yes, is yes. A- absolutely fucking phenomenal in that movie. She's um, pretty phenomenal in general. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, D. Wallace is always great, but uh, Cujo, she's fucking masterful. And uh, she should have got a fucking Oscar for that shit because, uh, yeah, yeah, she's it absolutely It was a horror great. movie, and Stephen King was you know, considered a hack writer at the time. So right. He doesn't, he doesn't even remember writing. writing. He was, he was, yeah, he was deep into like his, his alcohol addiction at that point. Right. When when he wrote Cujo, he doesn't remember, he doesn't remember a thing about writing it, which is crazy. But, uh, uh, yeah, I love Dee Wallace and she's absolutely great. Uh, Yeah. We immortalized her in the scream queen palette. We have a special color called a D. So uh, she deservedly got into the Scream Queen collection of her makeup. Uh, couldn't leave her out. I love her. She's a great Scream Queen. Uh, yeah. Dave. Uh, yeah, just real quick. I think I brought this up before. I think as George Romero is a great example for me personally. If you truly love a, a filmmaker, you have to be able to admit when they come up short. You can't just not everything George Romero ever shat out was great. You know, fucking. Oh, no. And, and we can argue about anybody I know. Right, but I think that's the difference between like a fanboy and a fan. If you can admit that your idols and George Romero, believe me, I've got the tattoos, is my idol. He Truly, didn't yes, al- he didn't always for various reasons, you know, the studio system fucked him, whatever, whatever. 
didn't always rise to the occasion. And like you said about the crazies, like, it feels like it's a three hour movie. It should have been, you know, 80 minutes long. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and that, that's what I want. So when, long. I'm going and when, like, and when you're like talking to people about stuff that they're passionate about, you can tell like, are can you be realistic? Like, and admit that not everything that this director or that director, this filmmaker did was perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I mean, we, we talked about that with Carpenter as well, you know? Well, yeah, like, we talk about it all the time and I'm always yeah. on the side of, I think to, in order to love something, you have to be able to admit its flaws. Right. Because we've all got flaws, right? We've all got flaws and we all want to be loved for our flaws. I think you, just to blindly accept that everything you love is perfect is just wrong. You have to analyze and accept that not everything is perfect. No, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, at least, you know, with the other three, they, they showed you know, they continue to show their professionalism and love, you know, for for filmmaking, you know, excluding Carpenter, because you could tell when Carpenter stopped giving a fuck, yeah. you know. But I like it because Carpenter tells you when he stopped giving a fuck. He's yeah. like, yeah, I was just I was just in it for the money. I just that's love no, him. I love him for that. I, that's why Carpenter is my favorite. You know what I'm saying? He's, because, he is a god because yeah. of that. He's like, yeah, I, 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 I really don't give a fuck. Well, I am you know. trying. Um, you know, I love that, and I loved his whole stick it to the man um, story and every story that he told. Um, he did not like authority. He did not like telling him what to do. So yeah, I mean, I love Romero, but I'll. You know that I hate some of his movies, but I yeah. still love him so much. But that makes you a true That's fan love. that you can you can recognize yeah. his flaws. There's a couple movies of his I would re- literally rip apart on this show. Like fuck this, fuck, and they're not scheduled because I don't want it. It's hard. Right. Like, I, I, I hear you. Right. It'd be, no, no. It'd be hard to do. It'd be hard to do. Hard to no, do. no, no. Let's let's go back to the first season where Candy referred to Diary as the dead as diarrhea of the dead. <laughs> You want to watch Diarrhea of the Dead? No? Okay, good. Like, like, yeah, and, I, like, and I agree. Like yeah. the, the fun the funniest thing when we she was talking about Romero was like she was going through his like you know his dead movies and then she got to Diary of the Dead and she literally spent ninety seconds on it and then just said, Let's move on to the next one. It was like she did not <laughs> want to talk about Diary of the Dead oh at all. I still don't. I, I fucking hate it. And, and a couple other titles that are pretty scandalous. People are like, how do you hate that movie? Well, I will explain that when we do it. Um, right. so yeah. Um, I have something else to say, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, so time for Sean Shinny reviews. Bum, bum, bum. And let's go. <laughs> you get, I got I gotta come up with a theme song for that. No, no. I like just, I like what you just did. That's perfect. You, uh, you guys, you guys may agree with some of these. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Um, so our first one here is from Merritt the Ferret, uh, one star. <laughs> wow, this sucked. This is a horrible movie. I rented this a week before going to see the theatrical remake of The Hills Have Eyes in theaters. I have come to the conclusion that with the exception of one movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven cannot make a movie to save his life. Fuck you! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on, uh, this is from Roy Nicholas. One star. Oh, my God. I have never really been interested in cannibal movies before, and up until a couple of months ago, I have avoided this genre of movie altogether. I recently had to undergo knee surgery and found I had a lot of time on my hands and was unable to work, so I decided after seeing almost every horror movie our local video shop had to offer, I would take a chance on this. (laughs) Christ, was it a mistake. I have never seen a movie this bad in all my years of being a movie addict. This is just a pile of shit pasted to a DVD disc and sold as a horror movie. I have a lot of respect to other horror fans who can switch their brains off long enough to enjoy this crap. They are more brain dead than I ever will be. 
and that is some achievement. Zero out of ten, and that's generous. Um, this is from Heather Rocks. Of course she does. Uh, one star. Most overrated horror film in history. Worst and most horror rated, overrated horror film in history I've ever seen. Camera work was awful. Zoomed in on family being terrified of jets and the final stabbing scene. And the acting was repetitive. Parentheses, short shorts kid screaming, beauty, was repetitive, as was the blonde girl screaming for minutes on end. <laughs> I feel like this would have genuinely been a good movie based on the storyline if it had been executed better. It was not scary at all. Again, maybe it for maybe for its time it was revolutionary, but it was quite a stretch to call this a timeless classic, more like a complete waste of time. Wow. Um, this next one's from Night 110 Tim. Um, this is actually a three-star review. I actually had to dig in because there there actually wasn't a whole lot of one-star reviews. Um, what an anticlimax. Infamous horror films seldom measure up to the hype that surrounds them, and I have yet to come across a worse offender than Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. Having held back from watching this, watching this for years, I was really pleased when I got it for Christmas and waited for an evening when my girlfriend was out to settle down and watch it, knowing <laughs> her extreme dislike for anything genuinely horrifying. I needn't have bothered. The whole silver mine nuclear test site subplot is just a giant MacGuffin to justify pitching the civilized family against the primitives. But given how easily the savages get their asses whipped, it stretches credibility to think that they had survived for a generation preying on passerbys. And then there's the ending, or lack thereof. The Hills Have Eyes seems to be missing either a third act or, at the very least, a satisfying denouement. Denouement. <laughs> okay. I was just left wondering, yeah, and question mark. And that's it. That's all I got for you. And and I got to say, you know, I, I do agree with the, the primitives getting their fucking asses whooped. That was, yeah. It's like, how did they survive? Because clearly they're they're savage and, and they're not afraid to do anything. They're outside the boundaries of what we call civilization. So they've been surviving out there. Like, I think they'd be better than that. But And they and they. They do make it a point early on, you know, with with Fred that they talk about, you know, the trading and how he trades with them and this, that and the other. But you don't survive 50 years just trading with that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Well, I think that's the one thing that the sequel, the sequel did better with the shot of the uh, the uh, abandoned cars, the giant crater full of abandoned cars. I think that's the one thing the uh, sequel did better was to set up that they've been doing this for years. Yeah, uh, I think that's the one thing that this was lacking. It didn't really fully explain like how they've been surviving, you know, uh, uh, all these years. Yeah. 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 Let let me let me add uh, another shitty review. Um, this was actually uh when me and Di first started dating. This was the second movie I let her borrow. The first was Reanimator, and she loved it. Oh, um, th- this this was the second one, and I was like, so what did you think? She's like, this movie's boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that that is great at giving sh- uh, shitty reviews. Like my favorite thing uh, she ever said was like, "I let her borrow Sharknado 4. I was like, "So what do you think?" And it was like a, like a ten second pause, and she said, "That movie was a piece of shit." <laughs> well, see, maybe we need to have her like guest on these shitty reviews. Just have yes. her pop in and give her shitty. Yes. Reviews. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the only thing she'll be good for because she won't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> she'll just be sitting here fucking annoying me and, and just like, like, dude, what, what the fuck did you just say? Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, for, for when um the remake came out, uh, that was when I first saw I was pregnant with Ash. Um, It was an interesting year, and I was pregnant watching the remake because uh, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it when it came out on video, and... You know, so it stuck with me, like, I just was like, oh, this is really, I'm digging this. You know, it's pretty fucking gory. I really enjoyed it. It was the the age, the very small period in time where remakes were good. Because um, after that, yeah. we're still on a remake craze. And I'm like, N- well, did, we got better remakes then than we ever got before. Um, I mean, even back then, you were still, like, you know, you had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was a good remake. You had... That which was a good remake, but you still had like the the Amityville Horror remake. Oh yeah, but I, yeah. I actually like that though. And the House on Haunted Hill one, I like. Yeah, that. oh no, the House on Haunted Hill was, was my favorite. Had my dude in it, Tay Diggs. Right, but but then you had like fucking uh the Friday the Thirteenth remake. We don't and, talk about that. Yeah, I, I'm no fan that's of the original. That's where the, that's where the goodness we got stopped. Right. Yeah, I'm no fan of the original, but that one is a piece of shit. But I, I, I was like, this is just if you're gonna do a fucking remake, take a take some pointers from the ones that just happened, and don't just try and do another story in the Jason universe. Me, like, me, there's nothing exciting about it. Me and my friend Patrick were just talking about which was the worst one, and uh, it it it, it got. It, it came between the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and the Hitcher remake, and oh. I was like, the, the Hitcher remake, the Hitcher remake is the worst because it just literally removed everything that made the Hitcher great and just kept the violence. And yeah. I fucked that movie. I, I I hate that movie with a fucking passion. The Hitcher <laughs> yeah. remake, like yeah. you, yeah. you you cast Sean Bean in it and then you fucking wasted him. And yeah. you don't have Rutger Howard yet. Yeah. We need yeah. Rutger Hauer, okay? Uh, we Rutger. need Rutger Hauer. God bless Rutger Hauer that fucking C. Thomas Howell was actually terrified of Rutger Hauer on set because he He's was intense. so fucking... He was Wouldn't intense. you be? I would. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, the Hitcher is one of my all-time favorite movies, and to see that fucking remake was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'll, I'll watch the the, the 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 Nightmare Elm Street remake any day, and I hate that fucking movie. I hate that But I'll watch that, that, watch that movie uh, for 24 hours on repeat if it means I don't have to watch the Hitcher ever again. The, the, <laughs> fuck that fucking Understandable. remake. Okay. I hate that movie. So, yeah, I mean, I... We are going to cover the remake of this film, um, not necessarily very soon, but it will be happening. Um, so, yeah, I have more to say about that. And we can kind of compare and contrast more between the original and that remake uh, when we do that. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I really like Michael Berryman because um, they, you know, they said sort of the breakout star was D. Walls. But I really think Michael Berryman is is like one of the best performances in this. No, and no. Yeah. He he's the, he's the, he's literally the poster. Yeah, he is the poster, and he's cool with that because he has that oh, rare wow. disease with no sweat glands. But they were filming in like intense heat, and this dude could easily die of heat stroke. And he was out there fucking doing the damn thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was really great, and he and in person, like I love the story uh, where he where you know the rape scene was about to happen, and everybody was so tense about it. So Michael Berryman and um, Susan Lanier. Uh, you know, they were trying to break the tension, so they started making out before they shot the scene, and everybody thought it was hilarious and kind of chilled out the set because the set was 
they were so uncomfortable about it, which, you know, rape scenes are uncomfortable. I've seen much more yeah. uncomfortable rape scenes, like in I Spit on Your Grave, like I'm wearing tonight. But um, but it's there and it's creepy. And I kind of understand why Brenda's so annoying um, to everybody. But she she just got raped. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have to factor that in. Um, oh, her character oh. was annoying, but nobody deserves to be raped. <laughs> if you're going to do the damn thing, do the damn thing. Well, like, now we now we know what the intro quote's going to be. I've seen better rape scenes. You talk about you seen better. You talk about you seen like like you know better done rape scenes, and me and Eric are still waiting for you to watch the untold story. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, but I, I'm going to watch it with me. When you yeah, so yeah, fine. yeah. We're going to try to we're, we're going to try to watch it. It's in. on Shutter still. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going to sit it in maybe this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. That rape scene in there is fucked. It is. Well, and, but, I mean, I think a rape scene should be fucked because it's it's, yeah. it's part of the right. narrative. No, Erica, Erica, uh, agree with me. That one is fucked. Yeah. Okay, there's... so Erica, on a scale from zero to I spit on your grave, how's this rape scene? <laughs> Might even be an 11. Holy oh. shit. Okay. Whoa. I'm telling you. I mean, I don't know if I should spoil what. No, no don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Okay, don't spoil it to me. My mom spoils everything. No, well, don't spoil it for me. Extra, I hate spoilers. An extra okay level of spoilers. taboo that was not a nice spit on your grave that makes it even more uncomfortable. Yes. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. That one uh, is really fucked up. Dave's like, I'm sitting out that episode. We are all we are all on some fucking FBI watch list now because of this. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that, right? All oh, of us. I've seen better rapes. Yes, you are. And it's not what I meant. <laughs> Yo, I feel like the rape scene made the movie even more a piece of shit. Like when it happened, I said, Oh man, and you're gonna give us a fucked up rape scene? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rape scenes make people uncomfortable, but I think they're noteworthy if they figure into the plot, if they're important and they should be done. You know. that, no, I, I agree with that. If, if 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 a rape scene is not important to the plot, it's it's more yeah. fucked up. Like me and Mac discussed this when we discussed Kickboxer on the action drunkies. That as much as we love Kickboxer, they added a rape in there that is completely yeah. unnecessary and kind of really fucks up the flow of the, the fun of the movie. Yeah, like why, why do we need this? Why do we need? We already hate Tong Po. Why do we need him to rape? Fucking right, um, right. Yeah, we we don't need this. Yeah, you know? and, and, and when Eric and I did I Spit on Your Grave, um, that was pretty landmarks and the things I had to say because I hadn't watched it in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, I Spit on Your Grave is really sort of the standard, and it is about rape and revenge. That's ex- it, was, it, it spawned the rape revenge kind of thing. So I feel like if a rape is justified, it should be handled accordingly. I don't want to watch rape. Let me tell you, I'm not signing up for that. And I didn't mean like for it to sound like I was. But I do want to say that if it figures into the plot, it's important. You know, there's a way that it could be done better um, if it's very important. But for me, it's just like I think you should leave that shit to the rape revenge um, type movies. Um, That's just my opinion. But I do. I did want to share. the. I, I like that little funny story. I mean, nothing's funny about rape, but uh, they everybody was so tense about it. As a matter of fact, they were very uncomfortable. <laughs> so like I said, Michael Berryman and, and her, they made out first, you know, just to make everybody laugh. And I kind of like that story. Um, yeah. So I didn't think the rape was necessary in this. I did not feel that it was. So like, if it's not necessary, let's maybe not do rape. Okay. I, because it, it's uh, something serious. 
I also feel like, and granted, I I know they were probably trying to dodge the X rating, but like if the ratings board were not a factor with this, I think if you're going to show that kind of thing, it needs to be a lot more disturbing than what they showed. Like exactly. Like and and like with a lot of other scenes too, they um they had so much potential, you know, to just make them more disturbing, and I felt pretty bored honestly. Like maybe it was a lot more shocking when it came out, but I was just like. This isn't scary. It's not shocking to me. It's just like, see, yeah, like whatever. It's better done in Blast House on the left. Yeah, you're very fucking uncomfortable as you should be. Yeah. And when yeah. they took those girls, you, you should be that uncomfortable. This this was just kind of like, do we need this scene? It's not really that important to mm-hmm. the plot. It really did, and if you took it out, it wouldn't matter in the film. Exactly. The film was the same. So it's like maybe that's what I'm saying when I mean better done rape scenes. If the rape scene is required, do a better job. And, and it's not required here. It's not. It's not. We that's could do true. without it and have the same fucking story. So yeah. That's all I have to say about that. I mean to sound like I was pro rape because I'm obviously not. <laughs> Please see our episode on uh, I Spit on Your Grave. Thank you. Bye. Shameless promotion. Not, not about watching a woman get brutalized, about enhancing the plot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it didn't really enhance the plot in The Hills Have Eyes. It just it sort of happened and it was there. And it was just like, why did we, why do we need that? Yeah. When, like, I mean, back then it was kind of like, yeah, let's up the ante. Like, you know, but let's he create. Up the ante much more in Last House on the Left with his shit that he did, the, you know, the shit that was done to those girls. That yeah. was much more disturbing, yeah. much more important to the plot. It doesn't. It doesn't apply here in this film. Yeah. You don't need that. What, what was in a rape? You're not shocking me. We did that with Last House on the Left. Like get some new shtick. I, I know. I know that the rapes, the, the raping shit in Last House on the Left was, you know, kind of pushed on him by Sean Cunningham, you know, who's, you know, schlockmeister. And it, it probably was the same thing in Last House on the Left because you see, like, he doesn't really do shit like that again in any of his other movies. No, no. Yeah. And we we know about Sean Cunningham, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know. Fuck but yeah, I, I just didn't feel like it was it was important here. Um, it's, so it really is not isn't. important. We shouldn't be maybe putting rape in there. And like, I, I just don't feel comfortable with that. But yeah, if you're going to try and, and make it part of the plot and make me uncomfortable, see Last House on the Left, at least from Wes Craven. But there are other movies that have handled the subject matter better. And it's best if you're going to throw that in. It needs to be integral to the plot. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, the, that's why me and Erica are telling you to watch the untold story. Oh, I'm yeah. going to. I'm going to. I just haven't had a chance. I've been ill. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. Uh, it's on my list for this weekend. So I'm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can see Dave sitting out that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The, uh, no, like, cause, cause, you know, let, let me and Erica tell you that 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 one is really just fucking. I mean, there's it's the on a whole like let's let me just tell you on the whole it's fucked up, but there's one particular moment on there that really just takes it over the fucking top, and it's just so, like yeah, you guys kind of um got me intrigued about it, so I think I need to see it. Yeah, um, like but... let, let me let me let me tell you, I watched it with Die, and there was a moment in there where she turned she like and Die loves fucking violent shit, she doesn't care, but she she literally had to turn away. Like, 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 not, not just as like, you know, she couldn't handle it because it was disturbing, but as a woman, like, you know, she was completely <laughs> fucking disturbed by it. And she was like, no, I, I, I can't, I can't. I, I, and the funny thing, too, is like, uh, I watched it on, uh, was it Voodoo? And I was going to buy it that same day, but I, I, I didn't get out to the store that had it. And uh, I'm glad I watched it on Voodoo. But like, it was, I'm not, I'm never going to watch this shit again. I would have wasted my money. 
I'm never going to watch this shit again, so I'm glad I didn't buy the shit. I bought the special edition of it. I had to own it. (laughs) Wow. Okay. God bless you, you, Erica. That's why I love you. (laughs) Yeah, Erica showed us some interesting... She shows uh, one of Andre's movies when she was here, and um, I was very impressed with it, so we are going to cover that. Uh, Oh, wait, Erica, I meant to tell you that uh, there was, like, somebody created a meme and shit of, like... The levels of they use the iceberg uh, iceberg oh, as a graph and they I created I, yeah and they created levels of like horror and like you know at the tip was like fucking friday the 13th but like all like like nearing the bottom was like fucking philosophy of a knife and all yeah. that shit. <laughs> that's not the one she showed us but i do need to see it right. um, yeah she says this is a suffering <laughs> yeah i want to see philosophy of a knife because she showed me the trailer for that and i was like I yeah kinda, this looks- i want to see it but i'm like okay um <laughs> Uh, Dave. Well, the one thing I, I, I read about this movie, and I, I was wondering what you all thought. Um, apparently, the original concept was to have the baby actually killed and eaten. Yeah. And I was, and, so and that, um, yeah, and the and the crew kind of refused to do it. Do you? But I think, I mean, not that I want to see a baby killed and eaten, but uh, what it's like do you being think? Like better done rape. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> right, like right. It's what I mean. Like, but but as far as the uh, to advance the plot or the feel of this movie. I think it would have made it even more like this family of mutants in the hills. They don't give a fuck about you and your like family and your whatever you're bringing. Uh, do you think it would have been would have added to it or would have made it worse? I think, I think so because if he's trying to make a shocking film, um, that would have definitely shocked. But I, it didn't test well. The crew did not want to do it. Yeah, the crew um, apparently refused to right. film it. Done right. Yeah, if it yeah. was done right. But I think, yeah, it, I think it would have added a level to this film if it had been, you know, put in there. Um, I don't want to see babies get killed either. Uh, I love yeah. children. So I'm not trying to see animals get killed, babies, but, like, kill all the humans, other, you know, grown humans that you want. Like, I don't fucking care. So I have all of my Yes. You have done a moment where, like, there's a demand of, you know, where's my baby? Where's my baby? And then the bad guy kind of, hey. <laughs> Why? That oh, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then you want to see the bad guy get his own that much worse. Yes, yes. I mean, but it was just a level that they didn't they chose not to go with, and they had like I said, a, a different ending that was you much more like uplifting. Happy. Just imply it. Yeah, implied would have been fine. Um, but yeah, it's like I don't know. There's just there was a lot of potential here that was not realized. And, uh, you know, but we can look back at this with something that I think is required viewing. But anyway, I'm kind of going into my review at this point. Should I just do it? Yeah. So, I mean, like, okay, I'll just go into my rating and give this a 6.5 out of 10 using Mama's bait. Um, (laughs) I just uh, it's why I rated it a 6.5 instead of maybe like a five or 4.5 is because like potential because it's Wes Craven because we do see a lot of potential in this movie I I, like I said I would definitely put this on a must watch list for anybody who is getting into horror or maybe hasn't revisited some of the older stuff I I think it's required viewing but like yeah you, you take away from that say yeah I've seen that and not like I'm gonna love the fuck out of this or whatever you know a lot of people do love this film um, I'm not one of them. Um, I just, uh, I love Wes Craven, uh, sometimes and we'll find out why in another episode, but, um, I love him the most for Freddie. And this was just, you know, a porn actor, try, a porn director, sorry, um, trying to 
make some more cash and horror is an easy grab. That's why yeah. we see so much porn to horror, um, you know, directors <laughs> because they're like, Hey, I can make a horror movie. But then, you know, unfortunately that's, that become you get typecast in a way to, to be stuck doing these kind of films. And that's why we see some of the phoning it in. And that's why sometimes Wes is a little uneven with, um, the type of stuff that he puts out because he's trying to do something else, but people are like, nah, you need to make it a little scary. You need to make it horror. You need to do this. And, um, whereas Romero would just hold them to go fuck themselves. Wes kept trying and he, he did hit pay dirt quite a few times. So we have to, we have to applaud that. But yeah, I would never, I don't want to watch this again. I would much rather watch the remake over and over. Um, yeah, but I'm glad that, you know, it's part of my repertoire. I can say I've seen it. Um, I can see it's relevance, but yeah, that's, 6.5 out of 10 using mama's bait <laughs> and i am gonna rate it uh five out of ten uh bobby's tiny shorts um <laughs> you know every director has has those films that you know they make that you know that's their learning curve that's 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 those are the things that they learn their mistakes from and i think that this is definitely one of the ones that that wes craven looked at after he made it and realized, you know, what mistakes he made. And for that, it made him a better director. Um, and, you know, you had Michael Berryman, you have D Wallace, you know, you have two great actors and actresses. Um, and it just, this film just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I think there are other films that, that do it better. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, obviously being the one. Um, but, you know, I, I do see the deliverance, um, inspiration yes. there, you know, um, and and maybe a couple other films too. And, and I think that this movie went on to inspire, you know, other films. Um, who could forget the classic Wrong Turn? Um, uh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's the, the makeup and effects weren't that great. Um, I know it was a it was a tiny budget, but we've like Erica said, we've seen better uh, from smaller budgets. Um, or you know, so um. Five out of ten, Bobby Tiny Shorts. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, Candy and give it a six point five out of ten. Shitty nose prosthetics. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, uh, I almost gave it a seven, you know, because of its relevance. You know, what I'm saying. Uh, it's 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 a it's a footnote in horror, but like on a personal level, yeah, um, that's as high as I can go. Um, it I, I I am aware of like you know the the footnote of horror it is, but it just doesn't hold up for me. I I seriously prefer the remake. Um, everything about the remake is better in my eyes. A better gore, a better character development, and of course we forgot to mention better Ruby. Um, yes. Yes, uh, Ruby in this one is kind of like whatever, but the Ruby in the remake, God bless her, um, I, I, I will always stand for Ruby in the remake. But I, of course, we will talk about that when we get to talking about the remake. Um, yeah, um, like I said, it is a, a footnote in horror, it is a footnote in Wes Craven's career. Uh, it was a stepping stone that led to him doing um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, you you also had him do other movies like uh, Deadly Blessing, and uh, who could forget the classic Swamp Thing movie he did? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, where, where where we saw Adrian Barbeau's boobs, um, <laughs> which is the one memorable yeah. thing. Which is the one memorable thing about that movie? Um, 
uh, I know I know Joe Bob likes that one. He <laughs> <laughs> does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, um, yeah, I, I. I, I considerably be half and half on it, but I, I realize how important it is. So I can't just be like, you know, five out of 10, like Sean did. I got to go six point uh, uh, five because, you know, it's just too relevant and it's just too important uh, or classic to just completely shit on it. I, I mean, I know it's personal taste, but, you know, it, it's just too fucking important in footnotes of horror especially in the development of horror in the 70s which i feel was the most important decade in horror because that's where like you know like yeah well like horror basically you know paved the way for like you know i mean we all love 80s horror but like if we didn't have the 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 70s horror you know we wouldn't have gotten what we got in the 80s which we all love so i I feel like it's so important to just completely shit on it so yeah 6.5 out of 10 shitty nose prosthetics we basically agree on that one yeah. um erica okay so i was gonna give this movie four out of ten. some of you guys like convinced me that it has some merits that i was just too grumpy to see i'm raising my score to five out of ten unnecessary planetary hillbilly names <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 we didn't talk about that <laughs> yeah that's like a whole other topic like why the fuck do they have all these planetary names except for ruby it's just Ruby, but it's like, you know, she wasn't Venus or something, whatever. Um, anyway, like, I don't know. I, I could see where, you know, like maybe this was more shocking when it came out, but uh, yeah, like, uh, like Rob said earlier and others said, like, it just has not aged well. It's, um, it was just a slog to get through this movie again. I really did not enjoy it. it at least I watched the, the Joe Bob dinners of that on shutters, which made it a little more interesting because of all the, history and the interview with Michael Berryman, but I just think Michael Berryman's probably the best aspect of this film. And in my opinion, or definitely one of the best, um, he's just so cool. And like his character is interesting, but there, as a whole, like the movie, it just looks cheap, grainy, the the acting, you know, the the performances are kind of all over the place. Like there are a lot of really clunky performances that are just like, Ooh, painful to watch. And the characters are just annoying as fuck. I, so it's like it's not something i want to watch any more than i have to i'm also the opinion the remake is a lot better so um hence my five out of ten score for the original um matt i'm gonna give it five out of ten dogs tricking him with a rabbit in a bush that's where (laughs) that's where my score is coming from that last that last little bit with that dog like fucking shit up that shit was great man um i get it this had to be made so we can get other things and i can i feel you horror experts sentiments very dearly but um yeah man i couldn't i could definitely give it a lower score i feel five for me is being generous Uh, my brother (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be uh three out of four because I do like it. I acknowledge its flaws, but you've got to get credit on its legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Three out of four, right? Is that what you said? Three out of four. So what's that, nine out of ten? 7.5 out of ten, right? There you go. Yeah, seven out of ten, yeah. <laughs> okay, seven out of ten. Okay. You just got to be different, don't you? 
Of course. <laughs> I got a monster. Like, Dare <laughs> you? Okay. Um, uh, Dave. I'm gonna give this seven out of ten uh, delicious baby toes. I, I the, the one, the one, the one word that comes to my mind with it's subversive. It came out in 1977, yeah. I, and I don't mean to yeah. keep going back to the point, but the the thing that sets this whole movie off, the, the whole plot off, is that this family ignores the warnings of the gas station guy, and the the reason he crashes the the camper in the first place is that these F-105s are dropping bombs. Which, if he had been watching that, I'm talking about Big Bob the Dad. If he had been watching that on like some film of like F-105s dropping napalm on Vietnamese, he would be like, yeah, go, you know, yay, USA. That's what causes them to crash in the first place, is these F-105s dropping munitions near them. I think that that's the, the heart of this movie, is, you know, fuck you, I'm going to bring Vietnam home to you people here in America, it's going to, you know, make you go off-road, and then you're going to have to deal with these fucking cannibal fans, which are obviously supposed to be the Vietnamese who fought in the jungles with much lower tech than Americans had. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's how I'm, maybe it's because it's a, 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 a function of how old I am, but that's what I see. This movie, compl- a complete uh, a, a discussion about America and its, its, its high-tech power going to Vietnam and trying to bomb these fucking uh, people into submission, and it didn't work. And that's and then so this is it coming back home. You mm-hmm. know, Big Bob, Big Bob is America in this movie. He is. Out, I'm going to be out there with my big camper and nothing. I'm going to ignore the warnings of this gas station guy. And then he's going to get the reason he crashes is because he gets bombs dropped on him by the fighters. He would have been cheering if they had been dropping those same bombs on the Vietnamese. I like that. I really do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay. I think it's brilliant. That, that, yeah. I, I, lo- I love, I love uh, anything that repudiates the Vietnam, Vietnam War era. Our, our hubris, our, our thinking that we can go in anywhere and just make everything right with our Christianity yeah. and our whiteness. We can, we can make everything better. And it just doesn't – it didn't work. It doesn't work, and we need to stop. Well, in, in true American shithead fashion, after he wrecks the car, he immediately blames his wife. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right? He blames his wife, who then, like – who her, her whole, her whole um, uh, her addition to the home that she's going to – well, we're going to just pray. Before they all go out, she has this little prayer, which is, again, I wanted to bring that up earlier, is more repudiation. She's going to have a little prayer circle before the, the, the men go off on their expeditions to save them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't come to fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember uh, we was watching that part and, and it said uh, when he blames the wife. And I was like, of course, blame the wife. It's, all, it's always the woman's fault. And right. Di, call, Di called me a chauvinistic <laughs> pig. <laughs> I was probably harsher words. But... Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. She was like, you fucking chauvinistic hey, pig. Gonna blame his fucking wife, and she's just going to take it. Yeah. I've seen it happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's par for the course for, for you know, you know that white Anglo-Saxon women, suburban woman back then. Like, you know, like, all oh, the man is always right, and, you know, I, I should know my place. It's like, nah, fuck that. That's He's a piece of shit, and he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty good reviews. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think they were honest, and that's the most important thing. Um, I'm going to take this moment to talk about what we have coming up on the show. 
We're going to be doing uh, the Bad Seed, the original black and white one, not that trash remake that they did recently. Um, there was a remake of that? Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> just, just, just watch the black and white one. Um, it's way better. Um, American Werewolf in London. We will be doing the 2018 Halloween. Uh, we have Bulls Night Out coming up. We're going to do Friday Night. We're going to do Maniac. And we have another horror business this time, Goodfellas. Forget about it. Now, now go get your fucking shine box. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that, we're getting a lot of fun with that. So we've got really great things coming up. Um, yeah. So uh, at this point, uh, plugs. So I'll go first. Uh, I'm just trying to keep it simple. Uh, everything that you would need to know or find is on my link tree. And it's linktr.ee slash candy the final girl. So everything's there. Um, yeah. Everybody's links, my links, so on and so forth. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Shaun of the Dead. Okay, uh, Erica? Uh, find me on Instagram at My Horrific Life and my website, myhorrificlife.com. Dig it. Okay, uh, Matt? Uh, I'll use my time to shout, all, uh, shout out all our listeners. Follow these lovely people right here. Everybody here is great. Uh, shouts to me and my brother, Action, Action Drunkies. And, uh, you know, the usuals, Mike, Larry, we love you guys. Yes. And uh, have a good evening, everybody. Awesome. Okay, Daniel. As always, the Nightmare Nerd, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, you're going to be scary, folks. There's stuff coming up. Awesome. Okay, uh, Rob? Of course, uh, just go to my link tree where I have links for our show, our Twitter, Action Junkies, our show, Action Junkies. Uh, this show, um, Max upcoming uh, uh, podcast, uh, All Stars Animes. Uh, shout out to Mac for putting that together um mac is living the dream right now i'm not um, stopping yes you are <laughs> there you are there you are there you are trying stop being bashful motherfucker <laughs> i didn't even say that about it i'm just trying but... <laughs> All right. but, uh also um yeah uh, of course wrath of Stath, uh my podcast focusing on the films of jason statham um recording now it's coming soon i don't know exactly when i'm gonna drop it but uh, it should be coming soon um also shout out to uh lindsey from schlock and all uh daniel from cobwebs i just recorded with him last night for an awesome episode that should be coming soon uh ron yeah ron from a uh, film strip uh podcast um matt from film feast podcast uh we just released the episode on the french film irma vep um and uh of course uh uh our, our boys larry chris and of course our brother mike scott actors undisputed my brother i love you uh i know you're going through some things right now but just know that we are here for you and um we got your back and um god bless you brother and everything you're going through i love you my brother definitely yeah <laughs> Dave. Uh, just thank you to all the listeners. I, I uh, shout out to Nico who wasn't here tonight. I, I always yeah. miss when he's not here. Uh, I feel yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like I'm you know missing a limb when he's not here. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing nothing personal. Just just yeah, just seek out all the other people here on this podcast and listen to their stuff. Thanks so much. And, I, and this is the best part of my week every Thursday night. Yeah, we've got. Thanks. I hope you're gonna be there for Monday because we've got some stuff. Monday, yeah, and, and Monday too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get my I'll I'll take my nap. I promise. Super excited about Monday because we're. What's we're Monday? Trying. Yeah. What is Monday? Um, <laughs> seed. The bad seed is Monday. The original oh. one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the bad seed. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right, Mac? I'm just it's black and white. Mac, so you won't be there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is, I'll, 
I'll try. It's Monday. <laughs> this Monday? Yeah. Yes. You're lucky I'm off. All right. <laughs> who got it? Who who where can I watch this? Um, we'll find out and I'll send you a link. Um, but uh definitely uh I know it's black and white, but just trust me on this one, Mac. Please trust me. I, I I'm good at this. You're I just watch it. this bullshit, so I'll definitely give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> way better than this movie, okay? I promise. <laughs> it is genuinely creepy as fuck, and you will love it. It's a good I'm waiting for y'all to give me something that'll scare me. Like, uh, Mac, Mac, literally. She, she, Mac, she's capping, Mac. She's capping. <laughs> no capping over here. I would give it a shot, though, because I already watched this bullshit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've never seen that one, so I'll give it a shot. Then uh, I, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> that was my verdict. Love you guys. Night. Love you guys. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Mwah. Mwah.